welcome. This is a super important podcast about hair. Question mark. Featuring Ryan Teal and Stephen Adams as your co-hosts. Let's begin. Good morning, Mr. Ryan Teal. It's pretty early. <laughs> so early. But I don't, I mean, I don't really work. <laughs> God, I want to, I, I want your life, man. I want your life. I only do classes, yeah. I, I, sometimes I have to get up really, really early. Yeah. Most of the time. I was going to say, you're probably flying like at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't actually been on the road for like three weeks now. Oh, you have or have not? Have not. Oh, wow. So you've been local. It's too early. Yeah. It was your idea. (laughs) (laughs) We will totally blame you for this one. This was my idea, wasn't it? Yeah. Hi, Ryan. Hey, how are you? Why don't you roll, Steven? Well, good morning, Fatima. Um, Welcome to a super important podcast. It is super important. I want to know why you guys have like, you know, you're all set up. You guys are pros. Well, you know, I'm just sitting actually in my living room and uh, I have my computer sitting on top of a guitar amp. (laughs) And and, uh, yeah, that's about it. I want to do it hands free, but I can't figure out how to do that. I have my, um, I'm in the salon, Nice. my feet up. And I'm about to do laundry because being a salon owner is so sexy. So, <laughs> I would never do that. I'm here at seven o'clock folding towels. <laughs> I would never, I would never be a salon owner again. I don't know how you guys do that. That's 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 such a tough. You know, it's I lo- I do love. I I don't know if I love being an owner, but I love creating the um, the energy and the environment oh, that course. I want. Of course, yeah. I would. So, so, yeah, it's a lot. I, like I told Stephen uh, last podcast we did, I was never good behind the chair. You know, I, yeah. I, I've come to self-realization. I've come to the realization that I only love hairdressers and bartenders. I don't like any other people out there at all. That's why I was so bad keeping a clientele because I just didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love everybody. I'm like Mother Teresa. I love everybody. <laughs> You are a So, Fatima, why don't you tell us um, uh, a little bit of your history? Because that's the biggest thing that I'm loving about this podcast, is just hearing other people's stories. So, give us a little bit. Oh. Um, a little bit from, like, all the way. As long as you want to go. So, I started out as an embryo. <laughs> it's a very special gift. Um, no, I, I started out in my kitchen, braiding hair and doing extensions. Um, just to get me through college. It was just something that I had a natural knack for. And I was going through college and I had a client that was um, coming to my home that said, you know, you really should look at the Aveda Institute. You're super gifted, blah, blah, blah. And I looked into it and it changed my life. I dropped out of college and ended up meeting Horace Reckelbacher. Were you in Minneapolis? And the rest is, I'm Were sorry? you in Minneapolis? I was in Minneapolis. I went to the school and I had ne- I didn't know anything about hair. I'd never heard of horse. I'd never heard of a beta. I was just completely new to the world of beauty. And I was immediately sucked into it. I felt like, felt like I had been roaming the wilderness my whole life. And then I found my tribe. 
Like the moment I walked in, I knew that's where I was supposed yeah. to be. I love the people. I love the energy. Um, growing up, I always felt different. And I tried as much as or as hard as I could to be normal. And in beauty school, you don't have to be normal. You just get to be you. So it was, it was really a rebirth for me to go into that environment and to be whoever I was and not have to put on any facades of being, you know, the best, the smartest, the prettiest, the whatever, even though I'm all of those things. <laughs> but I just, I just, I really felt like it was my tribe. It was my community. And it's, it's still something I'm so passionate about. And um, I think about the culture. You talk about how you only love bartenders and, and stylists. It's because we are a unique group of people. You know, we're colorful. We're like, we're like, I always say hairdressers are like um, people that were supposed to be in bands that didn't quite find the band. Mm -hmm. So have no um, talent. yeah, I love it. I've never, I've never turned away since. And I, I have to thank the Aveda Institute for um, putting so much passion behind the why of hairdressing and why we do what we do. I was thinking about this because Steve and I spend, we have breakfast together like once a month at a different venue every month, or we go see music together or whatever. And I think about, we just hung out Sunday, right? It Steve? was on Sunday, correct. It was on Sunday. It was a long Sunday. We had a long Sunday. We did Sunday have a Monday. long Sunday. Long yeah. Sunday brunch. The kind, where you, the kind where you drive to the venue and you lift back home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you go. And I, I thought about how important it is for us to break bread together that way. Mm. And in our job, in our lifetime, there are two things that you can give someone that is so invaluable. That's your time and your touch. And every day I get to do that, change people's lives and get paid for it. Just easy, you know, I love it. So thank you for your time on Sunday, Steve. No, and you my, know, to just share, pleasure. we shoot the breeze about anything. Yeah, that's, so, what, that's what I, I think it's important. About, that's what I love about hairdressers is because we do give people our time and our touch so much, exactly. we don't really get it back as much. And, and I think right. we get taken advantage of because we do give it away so freely. <laughs> I agree. So actually, it's good that you bring that up, Ryan, because I was saying to Steve that I was in the hospital last week for two days. Wow. And I had a lot of time to think about what was important. And I need to take better care of myself than I'm taking care of. You know, if you don't put back into your own tank, how are you going to give to anybody else? So that's a really good point. Yeah, we were really talking about that because you were just saying how much you've been putting into your team and how much you've been like mm -hmm. putting into the salon, but you weren't actually giving it to yourself. So it's right. kind of a, I think it's an important thing to constantly rem remember and to go back and do. I would have gone insane over the 20 years of owning a salon if I just gave, 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 and didn't actually say, okay, every once in a while, I need to take that step back. Right. Do think. So I, I, I pseudo took this week off. I'm in the salon because I like to come in and check things out. And I'm glad I did because of course I came in and nothing was clean and ready, but um, I'm taking this week off just to take care of me, spend some time with my kids. I had breakfast with Steve. It's been a good week. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So, um, so I know, um, can either of you tell me the uh, invention that Horst Reckelbacher uh, made that we use almost on a daily basis? Ooh. Well, Hairdressing. I didn't know. Yeah. Um, it, 
Well, it wasn't the paddle. It was. It was, was the paddle. Yes! I was gonna say, there was, he invented two things that I know of, and that was the paddle brush, and he mm -hmm. also made the triple shears. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Three yeah. <clears throat> yep. Um, I, forgot I use mine both shears. every day. No. I, I, <laughs> I use my paddle I had been brush a group earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny. Hey, that's fun. Any more, any more hair curtains? <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, tell us. Uh, okay, so you you went to um Aveda. Went to Aveda, and then well, so I want to be really clear that I've never worked for Aveda because man, I keep looking at my eyes, and I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> um, I want to be very clear that I did not ever work for Aveda. I have been a guest artist for Aveda. I am a Hall of Fame honoree at Aveda. Thank you, Aveda, for that. And I've done um, sold images to Aveda for, you know, we've had some collaborations, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, I think a lot of people get confused that because I'm from Aveda and Aveda has come up so much in my career that I've worked for the company. I've not, I've always been pretty much freelance. So I went to Aveda, graduated, worked for a company named Graham Webb. I don't know if anybody yeah, remembers yeah. that company. Yeah. And that was where yeah. I got, <clears throat> I got a lot of my platform experience from Aveda because I worked with great people like uh, Horace paired me up with Ted Gibson, nice. Oscar Bondi, um, countless, countless names. And um, then I went to Grand Web and worked with a whole bunch of hairdressers that no one knows that were phenomenal mm -hmm. from Europe. Mm -hmm. um, what yeah, era? of, of Grand Web. Um, it was in the 90s, the late okay, 90s. Okay, so were they doing the, um, the beer shampoos and conditioners or was it the milk? Yeah, you go way back. So, I, the, <laughs> so funny because I was not really because I was so Aveda trained. I, I'll use any product. Um, but their 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 um team was phenomenal. I learned a lot from yeah. them. Then from there I'm trying to think of I've always just done collaborations with various companies. Um I got lucky. I got lucky from um because I was always so passionate about the um, photographic side of beauty. When I ended up winning Naha, that just opened up countless doors for me to do more education and more platform. So that was pretty amazing. I was there when you won. Were you? Oh, uh, we were nominated for career. Okay, yeah, that was, yeah, um, was, was kind of So, so uh, uh, let me ask you about Naha because I, I get that question a ton. Is is just because you won Naha, the doors opened, or was it just because you won Naha and then marketed the hell out of yourself, doors open. I would say that I won Naha and doors for me just, I don't know what was, because some people win Naha, it's like winning an Oscar. You can win an Oscar and never make a movie again or never make a hit again. Right. Um, I don't know, I, I didn't know anything about marketing myself. I was literally just trying to do what I love to do. And I didn't know enough about the history of hair outside of Aveda. Okay. Um, it opened up a world of stylists that I never knew even existed. Okay. Um, so for me, a lot of doors open. But at the same time, I think there were a lot of um, restraints because I am a woman. I'm a woman of color and I'm a lot. And people just didn't know where to put me or how to brand me and all the offers that I got to work with companies that were very specific to, we want you to be our multicultural expert. We want you to be our black mm -hmm. hair, this and that. And I never wanted to 
pigeonhole my career, my talent that way. So I never became the big name of any company because I didn't feel that the things presented to me were um, a reflection of all that I could do or all that I could learn to do. So then I just, you know, being independent wasn't really, in my opinion, a choice. It was, it was the choice. I was forced into that lane because people tried to put me in a box. Right. So, so that's what happened with that. So I've always just been Fatima Inc. Now, if there is a company out there forward enough to hire me anyway, I'm still available. <laughs> but <laughs> because I really love it. I just, I, you know, so then I started to be, get creative. It was like, okay, I'm on my own. I don't have any sponsorships. So I started to create content and sell it. I created content. All the people that offer me jobs, I still have relationships with. I never worked for them, but I worked with them as a guest yeah. or creating content or doing collaborations for images. And so it, it worked out. I mean, I have no complaints about where my career's gone. I've made great money. I've traveled the world. Um, I had the opportunity to do be a part of the artistic team for Interquartier. I mean, I've had some really great opportunities. Yeah, that's cool. That's so, cool. Yeah. And I'm sure that Interquartier probably opened some doors for you as well, because that's a huge networking platform. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the, the biggest piece for Interquartier for me is I got to actually sit at the table and brainstorm and share creative ideas with people like Orbe. I mean, I knew about Orbe, but until I was a part of Interquartier, I didn't get to intimately know mm -hmm. him. And man, was he a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal person. Yeah. And um, the difference between Interquartier and being on a Naha stage is being on a Naha stage, you're performing and showing your work to all of these collaborative artists in a room. Being on an interquartier stage, you are sitting in front of the best of the best. You're sitting in front of people who are innovators, pioneers, influencers, and you're saying to them that this is cool. You're giving them something. So for me, it was um, kind of some next level hairdressing because, I mean, I'm doing hair and Orbe is sitting in the audience. I mean, it doesn't get any better yeah. than that. You know? Yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, and the first time I met him, he came over to me and he says, oh, I hear you're kind of a big deal. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe you're talking about <laughs> He was so beautiful, so beautiful. So um, I really, really appreciated that opportunity. And also being a part of Inacoiffier, um, the artistic team, you know, I did photo shoots in Paris. And um, one year they went to Cuba. I was, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go to Cuba, but yeah, some pretty cool, pretty cool collabs with Inacoiffier. That's cool. So. Yeah, it's been a privilege. And Vivian was still um, uh, directing it at that time, right? So the year that I was a part of the artistic team, Vivian was, I don't remember what her title was. She was still, yes, but I didn't do collaborations with Vivi, but you know, I got to know her obviously very intimately yeah. from being a part of that process. I think the photo shoot that I did in Paris was because she couldn't make it. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. That would be she was in Africa. <laughs> In Africa on safari. That was <laughs> fabulous. That was a pretty big no, dream to fill to, to, you know, go and, and do a photo shoot where Vivian was supposed to be. Like, I, I would have freaked the hell out. Yeah. I have to say, hands down, she's one of my favorite. Yeah, days. me too. Me too. She, the way she um, does, I watched her once do a presentation on a ladder. Oh, really? And just the way she takes things to the next level and gives you visuals on stage and and then, too, I've, I've been working on her accent. I haven't really nailed it yet. When I get it down, we can interview again. But yeah, she's pretty fabulous. Not only is she a great educator, but she's such a great entertainer at the same time. Yeah. It's like, 
Absolutely. She knows how to engage the audience. You know she did ballroom dance too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. She, and she did show so pony. She, she's very she did show pony. Yeah. I think that probably the only reason, though, that, that uh, you think that she's your favorite um, uh, educator or um, um, uh, entertainer is because you ah, haven't seen me. You know what? You're right. And I was thinking, where is he going with this? <laughs> I was like, how are you going to tell me why she's going <laughs> I was like, I have seen you, Ryan. I've seen you um, in a classroom doing some pretty amazing things with wigs. I snuck into one really? of your classes once. Nah. Yeah, so after I, when I um, started doing the circuit, I would always kind of quietly try to sneak into different people's shows. And you're pretty badass too. <laughs> I gotta say. You know what's interesting is, and this is gonna be controversial, uh -oh, which is okay. I'm a, okay. Yeah, I'm not PC, so I don't really care. Well, we are I really, so great. to talk about these influencers and people that have changed the industry, such as Orbe, Vivian, the Ted Gibsons, the Ryans, the Stevens, right? Thank you for putting I think in there. about, I spent a short stint two years ago in a sweet salon concept. Um, so I went from being a salon director um, of a multi-million dollar situation, managing 35 hairdressers, to wanting to find myself because I realized I didn't want to be a manager. Yeah. You know, I'm passionate about education, not management. So walked away from all of that, entered, here comes a sweet, the sweet concept just seemed to be easier because I, when you want to rent or whatever, you want to find the culture that's appropriate. So I thought I was going to, you know, just kind of hunker down for a year in this suite, figure out my next step, which I did. I ended up opening my salon, which is called The Sweet Spot. That said, I really realized that I know that this is trending and I know that artists want to go and they want to be their own boss and own their own salon and they get in that box and they make it the best box that they can make it and they call it a salon. It does not begin to compare to what a real salon environment feels like and how it feeds you. And I think about my team because a lot of them are from the sweet concepts and how much they have to learn. Mm -hmm. So we do, um, Steve and I were talking about this yep. monthly meets, but where I think that it's a disservice to the artist is the culture and the energy piece. Yes, you're talented. You could be the most talented, whatever in the world. And clients are going to follow you. Clients will come to your house. They'll meet you in an alley because you're mm -hmm. good. But what is going to feed you? And, you know, you can sit and you can watch YouTube all day, Instagram all day, but there's something so valuable about being in a room with another hairdresser and actually watching how they hold that comb, watching how they flick that, whatever. So I've got a young lady in my salon that was in the same sweet concept. I knew from the day that she walked into that facility, I was planning to leave, but I knew when she walked in that she was just too phenomenal to be in that space. I thought, man, I can't believe she's going to come and work in this box every day and not share that light. Right. So I said to her, if you ever, if this ever doesn't work for you, I'm opening a salon. I would love if you join me. She follows me on social media. She saw me up and open up a salon. She joined me here. She is phenomenal. She, I, my barbering skills, personally, I've been in the industry 20 years and she has taken my barbering skills up a notch, but I've also shown her how to do braided extensions and, I mean, we just have this like energy together. Um, well, she each other. severely lacks is business skills. <clears throat> yep. Because she's been kind of rogue. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, those are things that we're working on. I don't know how important it is to her because at the end of the day, she is just leaving, breathing art and that's fine. And because she's a part of my team, she doesn't really have to be, you know, I, I run the business. I pay the lights, I pay the whatever. Um, but that said, I think about what a waste that talent would have been in a sweet concept. I'm so thankful to have her in my space and so that we can grow and learn together because that's the thing about art is that it's always evolving, it's always growing. So I would challenge anyone that is working in a suite concept to at least find a buddy, such as Steven and I meet together, where you guys kind of do a collective exchange once a month, you know, because, you know, I get it. Some, some people, that's what they want to do. But what are you doing to feed your art? What are you doing to feed your soul? What are you doing to have that creative exchange? And I think that's so mm -hmm. important. Um, Ryan, do you have any thoughts on I that? I do. Um, we had a we had a really good um, podcast a couple of months back with um, uh, Kim Bennett from Solo, oh, yeah. and we were talking about how yeah. uh, you know I don't think sweets are for everybody. I I feel like um, I feel like like there's like three types of people that that can be in a suite, and then there's the fourth that could never be in a suite. Um, I think that sweets are the food truck of the hairdressing industry. I think that if you're wanting to, you know, build a business, you could start in a suite and then move to. Do a you brick really and think? Do you really I think, think it's a financial model to move into brick and mortar? I, I think if you are one of those types of people that can do that, you know, I, I think that you, could, okay. you can hone it there, just like like being in a food truck. Like, yes. you know, if I had a taco truck and I wanted to have a taco business, I could start with a taco right. truck and then move into a. Taco, you know, restaurant. Okay. Um, so I do think that that's that's good one. I, it takes a special person in that one, though. That yeah, person totally, has totally. To be a true entrepreneur who's going to be like truly. I got to tell you because I backed spun out of it and got into my salon and I opened my salon in cash. I don't know many people that could make that move. That's what I'm saying. From, it's a rare one. It's not it, to me. It's not the, the the perfect financial setup to move into a business. It really um, isn't. And I know a lot about this. I, I think that, like, um, I think Stephen could do it. Oh, Steven. Yeah, because I, I mean, it can be done. It can be done. I did. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I went from, I went from a double, I forget what they're called, you know, a double Absolutely. suite to a 1700 square foot uh, venue and, and all no bank loans, no whatever. Exactly. I just hunkered down and just did it. So it, it can be done for sure. I also think that there's another type of person like myself that if I was to get back behind a chair, I probably would do a suite. Because yeah. I'm on the road 42 weeks out of the year, I only have like two two days that I could possibly even be in a salon, or like for an entire month, you know. So I would yeah. go do that. Well, I mean, I'm not. I guess what I'm saying is I'm not against them, but I do feel strongly about it. It is to me. I feel in a way that it is killing the. Culture. I agree. I agree. I, I no. do. I do, and it makes me sad. It makes me sad because. If you are a stylist and you haven't been behind the chair more than five years, you really don't have any business being in a suite. You really oh, don't. Agree. There's so much to learn. As a matter of fact, I won't even stress that number probably to 10. I think about what I thought I knew five years into my career and what I actually knew. I think I won Naha 10 years later. I mean, um, there's so much that can be learned and shared. And I think about all the hair, hairdressers that I worked with intimately on the way, like learning my first round brush set. And there was a guy that mentored me and, and I was his assistant and he used to throw moose to me and I would catch it and put in his clients here and blow it out. And just that kind of energy. Yeah. And um, I 
when I came into the space and opened up the sweet spot, all of my clients said nothing when I was in the suite. Then I worked with Steven for a while in the interim while my space was being, um, while my salon was being fixed and renovated. And my clients said, oh my God, I never wanted to say this. I'm so glad you're here. I hated that. I hated going into that box. I hated, and they never said a thing. And I have very high profile. And I thought, wow, I wish I would have known that. I mean, it wouldn't have changed anything. I had to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. But clients are so happy to, to be a part of a culture, a thing, a space. Yeah, I think so I thought that was interesting. I think so I just want to say this. Yeah. I'm not saying it to knock anyone that works in a SOLA or a whatever they're called. There's so many Phoenix, whatever. I just want all of those hairdressers to really find a hair buddy. Oh, yeah. A real one. Not an internet friend. Yeah. Not a YouTube friend. Find a real artist in your city that may or may not be in a suite and do a collaborative exchange, at least challenge yourself every 30 days to break bread with this person, have coffee with this person or say, Hey, can I come and shadow you for a day? Or you come and shadow me. There is something so powerful about humbling yourself in that way. And this is exactly why Steve and I meet on a regular basis and I'll be doing a class at his salon and then I'll find something for him to do at mine. You know, I just think that that's, that's what our community should do in order to keep elevating the standards and and pioneering change and beauty. So that's how I feel about that. <laughs> Sorry about the controversy. Oh yeah. Well, I was going to say about the the challenge that I find with like a sweet salon is one, it's you don't you don't have as much of engagement with <clears throat> coworkers mm-hmm. and people like that. But I feel like what it really hurts in our industry is the customer service side of it. I feel like the, and it's like what you were just saying. The customer didn't say anything about it. They didn't. They don't really love it, but they'll do it because I mean they'll go get their hair done in the back alley, you know, in the little shed, because it doesn't matter. They just need to get their hair done and they want to see you and have you do it. Right. But <clears throat> really, ultimately, customers really want that excitement and they want the energy of having more yeah. people and involvement and seeing inspiration. And I think the customer service spot is what ends up being missed in the sweet salons. Now the people that mm-hmm. do really well with customer service in the sweet salons are the ones that come in and have two to three assistants at the same time. Mm-hmm. And those are also the same people that end up becoming national educators too. They're again building a culture, so it's like have that sweet slot spot or that sweet salon. They're having that culture and they're building that culture along as they go to create that that um, customer service. But if it's just you by yourself and you just show up just when your client does and you just like as soon as they're done you leave. There's no culture. There's no experience. There's the customers missing out, and ultimately in the hair world, it's all about the customer is how I truly believe it. What, what I think happens is I think that a lot of times these, these people that are stuck in this suite um, almost um, become, they, they become like homeschool kids. You know, like, like yes. you know, they're like, so what are you guys doing? You know, and, and you see them, that they, they want the attention because they don't have any of that culture. Yeah. So they become the homeschool kid that's like, you know, hey, look at me, you know, and then they're, and they're, you know, all goofy. And when they go to education, they're all goofy, you know, because they don't have that, that constant, you know, contact. I know that if I was to go to a Sola in, in Louisville, where I live now, um, 
if I was to go to a Sola, I probably would, would develop an entire culture in that Sola. Right, right. You know, because I know you you guys would as well. Is that like I would know everybody right. and all the other suites, and we'd all get right. together every you know, like like in between. Parties. But here's the problem: the problem is most people that sign up for that kind of concept don't want to play together. Exactly. Because I was trying to create a community in the space that I was in. I really, really wanted to get to know every um, talent that was in that space, and um, some of it is because of insecurity. Some of it is because of awkwardness. Some of it is because I'm here because I don't play well with others. You know, so in, in, in the best fantasy, that'd be amazing. Because that's what I originally thought I was going to do. I was like, okay, I'm going to hunker down, figure out this concept, open up one of these, and all these artists can be their own boss under my house. Well, no, it doesn't really work like that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's a little bit trickier than that because you can't control like there's so many different vibes you know so well, and we're but yeah again i don't want to offend anybody who's in, in one of those it, concepts so bad. Like, you know, two years doing that. Yeah. i'm just saying i i think that they should we should always look at our career where we're going and and chart different goals for success and i think one of those things um that we always have to do to level up is to to have some humility in growth and learning. Still. I agree totally. You know, we don't know everything. Yeah. So find find a hair buddy, you sweet, sweet people. Oh yeah. And if you're in Minneapolis and you need a cool space to collaborate and you're in a suite, come to the sweet spot and we can um <laughs> we can host guys you can watch a day. Just slid that right. <laughs> yeah, you know. So. I, I want to come and day drink with you guys on a Sunday. I mean, that, that's actually, you should, Brian. You should definitely. You should. It's a good time. We always have it's really amazing time. food and a little bit of well bubbles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you guys Steve had, is not a cheap day. Have you guys had a redneck mimosa yet? No. No. What is it's it? It's Mountain Dew and champagne. Yeah. <laughs> You know what that sounds like? <laughs> Acid reflux. <laughs> well, so we didn't get that far on Sunday. We got as far as if Steve isn't married in five years or if I'm not married in five years, we're just going to have a white trash wedding. Yeah, I, yeah we're just going to, I just made that up on the spot. Steve does not know where I'm going. With <laughs> no, I'm like, yeah, I have no clue, us. but I like. And we're going to have redneck mimosas. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that means white I got five wedding. years because those sound terrible. <laughs> <laughs> They're so good, though. They, they taste, like I said, they taste like a Riesling. Tastes like a, a Riesling. Really? No. Oh, yeah. No. They're so good. Trust me. Have I ever lied uh, to you? You know, well, Ryan, I love you, but I don't think that you look like you're an authority on, like, fine adults. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you're a keg. Like, you know exactly how to lay under a keg and drink from it without getting a sip of beer on you. Well, actually, I've never seen Ryan drink beer. No, I don't drink beer. I, I, I've never seen him drink I, beer. I moved to Louisville, Kentucky for bourbon. That makes sense. I love yeah, bourbon. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 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 I love bourbon. So oh. uh, we should probably slide into that the, the most important Please. question. Please. Yes. We need to go into our... So... Um, yeah, if you are stuck on a deserted island, you can only listen to five bands from here on out. You know, Ooh. nothing else. Who would those five bands be? So it has to be a band? Or, or, or you know, a musician, like, like a vocalist or a rapper or, or, you know, whatever. Okay. 
if I was stuck, I'd have to. Stevie Wonder has to always okay. go on my playlist okay. somewhere. That's have you heard that he's um, not really blind? What? I believe he's really. There's blind. a whole. There's a whole like theory right now that he that he was never blind. Seriously. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I believe he's fine. Okay. <laughs> just... um, Lizzo would have to go on that list because okay. I just think she's fierce. If I'm on this island, sure. I want to feel strong and powered. And so I'm really into Lizzo. Um, gosh, this is bad because I'm not like, I love music. Oh my God, Davina and the Vagabonds. Okay. I, I'm a big fan. And, and maybe a lot of people don't know who she is. She's an uh, international artist, but she's from Minnesota. Um, I awesome. I'm gonna bore people with my list. I was gonna say I did Davina's hair say. once, long time ago. Who's Davina's? Davina. Yeah. she's fabulous. Yeah, I did a photo Love shoot her. with her once, and I can't remember. It must have been maybe ten years ago. I'd have to have Sting okay. on that playlist. That kind of dates myself a little no, bit. That makes sense. And I've got one more band. Don't you do. I? You do. Oh, Steven knows my musical taste. Who would that band be? Oh, oh Maroon 5. Sorry, I'm going to have to. I love Maroon 5, too, even though they're not together. Okay, me. okay. That's cool. That's a good list. That shows you how pop arty I am, huh? That's all right. I'm bad at music questions. <laughs> you did really, really well. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. You passed. Thanks. <laughs> I, I like these games. Do we have any more? Is that the most important That's question? That's the most important question. Just because we're both big Let's see. There should be a couple more good questions. Let's think of a good one. Inspiration. You should. Who's your most inspirational hair person that you've looked up to over the years but have never met? Present company. Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, well, you have met me. So. Oh, um, Serge Nomad. Oh, okay, yeah. You haven't met Serge? I went to a salon and he had just left. And um, it was when I was with Intercoiffure, I explained to them who I was. They actually gave me one of his books from the salon. They were like, oh my God, he would be so flattered that you're here to meet oh, him. And they gave so me sweet. so I, oh, wow. And then I went back the next day because I'm a really good stalker because I decided I needed my book signed. <laughs> and he wasn't there. Oh, no. So that that's a tough one because I've met pretty much a lot of my hair heroes yep. I've met, but Serge Nomad, I have not. And um, what, what makes him so stand Eugene, out? Eugene, is it Eugene Sullivan yeah, also? Solomon. Yes, I've not met him either. I was fortunate so enough two. to like assist him when he did some stuff with Aveda contracting. So I actually got to assist Eugene. Amazing. He's, he's pretty talented. Oh, he's amazing. I learned so much from yeah. the two days that we hung out. Um, two of my favorites that I've actually, well, gosh, I've got so many favorites. Um, I wish that I could talk about the ones that you think are amazing, you'll work with them, and then you're under underwhelmed, but I won't go there. <laughs> but I'll talk about the ones who are amazing, and then you know, you're like, wow, this is not hype. Vivian's one of those people that's yeah. not hype. I mean, she's a beast. Just to watch her cut and to to uh, create different shapes and structures in the hair, I actually would attribute my win. She's one of the contributing factors that particular year that helped me win Naha. I went to her and I said, I want to do this. And she goes, oh, well, good luck with that. You know, she, she didn't help me plan my collection or anything, but she talked to me about the foundation of the work and how important it was. Um, 
So Vivian is one of those where read about her, stalked her, took a class, met her, and I know her now person. I'm still, still in awe of her yeah. work every time I see her work. Um, Orbe was another one that was just like, wow, you know, to watch him work and just how they were still so in love with it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm biased because he's like family. Um, Ted Gibson is one of my favorite to watch, to watch him comb it and finesse it and take yeah. out his leaf blower and blow it around, you know, for a shoot. Um, so, so yeah, I've, I've had the great opportunity to meet most everyone that I really admire. That's pretty awesome. So. That's so fortunate. But, you know, to do that, you had to put yourself out there. Yeah. Come to you. Right. And I think that's like one of the biggest things that I've been, that I, over the years have talked to so many people, they're like, well, when am I going to get discovered? And it's like, you'll never get discovered. Wow. You have to like put yourself out there and you have to meet people and like yeah. really find your mentors and find the people that you want to like grow with and talk to them. And, you know. You know, that's so true. And one of the first times I assisted Ted, Horst was taking me around as a student because I'd won the student show and did some crazy hair thing that he fell in love with. So I was getting um, credits to be in school to travel with Horace and he was taking me to different shows and dropping me off backstage. I'm like, hey, here's this kid that goes to my school. She's got a 15 minute segment on stage with me, but keep her busy until then. And one of those people he dropped me off with was Ted Gibson and it was for Congress. And Ted said, uh, you know, he's got 20 models, all these people floating around. He looks at me, he goes, do you, do you know how to do a hairpin set? I was like, oh yeah, sure, yeah. Well, I didn't. Mm -hmm. So sits me down with this model and he was doing this um, uh, segment called Hidden Texture, which is, I still think is genius 20 years later. Where And I talked to Ted about this. He doesn't remember doing it. He left a halo of all the hair out. And let's say that this halo was straight, but inside of it, there was this hidden texture. But when they came out, they all came out with smooth hair. Oh yeah. And he released the texture on stage and did something cool with it. Um, that said, I was fooling around with this model for probably an hour because he didn't set me up right. He said, you know how to do it? I said, yeah. And he parted out here and said, I want this set and this not. Blow this straight. He came back and I don't know what I was doing. And he goes, hey, uh, what the hell's going on? And I'm like, uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. He said, okay, so here's what I want to say. If you ever don't know how to do something, just say you don't know how to do it because then we'll either give you something you know how to do or I'll, I'll take the time to show you. So he took the time he showed me, I set the hair. That for me was a lesson. And anytime anyone new is helping me backstage or on the team, I always say to them, if you don't know how to do something, just tell us, don't feel bad because it's a way, it's time's money. Yep. You know, on these shows, we got, you know, you only got so much time in the show. We were setting the hair that day and the show was, let's say the next day. Like those models went home with those sets. So it was fortunate that it wasn't on, you know, they didn't have to be. Thank you so much.